1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about the annoying yellow smiley face. Mm-mm-mm. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity, And this show is most definitely all about the heart. Today, we are circling back to some oldies but goodies within the Harvesting Happiness talk radio library. Today, we're talking about sound eating and wholesome thinking, habits to keep you healthy. And my first guest is Dr. Lissa Rankin. This show originally dated back in 2013. Let's join the conversation. Dr. Lissa Rankin is a physician whose research led her to discover that our bodies have natural self-repair mechanisms that can be activated or disabled based on thoughts, beliefs, and feelings that originate in the mind. She is on a mission to heal our broken healthcare system, help patients play a more active role in healing themselves, and encourage the healthcare industry to embrace and facilitate rather than resist the body's self-healing capacities. Lissa has written three books, speaks around the world, blogs at lissarankin.com, paints professionally, and founded the Whole Health Medicine Institute. She leads a mentoring program for visionaries, founded the wellness communities, healhealthcarenow.com, and owningpink.com, and teaches online programs such as Find Your Calling with with Dr. Martha Beck and Amy Ahlers, and Visionary Ignition Switch, an online business school for visionaries, co-created with Amy Allers. Her work has been featured extensively in the national media, including O Magazine, The New York Times, CNN, Health, Women's Health, Self, Forbes, The Chicago Tribune, Glamour, and Cosmopolitan, and on and on and on. We could go on for the entire hour with this woman's accomplishments. She is a dynamo. And welcome, Lisa. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Lisa.
1: Oh, my pleasure. I am holding a copy of your book, Mind Over Medicine, Scientific Proof That You Can Heal Yourself, which is your latest book. And in this book, you really talk about the power that we have to heal ourselves. And What inspired you specifically to write Mind Over Medicine?
2: Well, you know, I, I still kind of look at it. I'm looking at a copy myself, and I'm still sort of in shock that I wrote this book <laughs> because I come from a very conventional background. My father was a physician. I grew up in uh, hospitals. Um, my father was one of those doctors who believed that, you know, everybody who believes that there's crystals in your feet and all that woo woo crap and all those silly needles people put in your back or whatever, anything that was even remotely. Uh, outside of the Western paradigm was completely dismissed and I went to medical school and residency at places like Duke University and Northwestern University and, and they felt the same way. So uh, I then practiced for eight years in a very conventional OBGYN practice where all of the other doctors in my practice felt like I did and like I was trained to believe and I was fully brainwashed into the system. And mm-hmm. so... Um, it's it's like I said it's still a little surprising to me that I wound up writing this book because I very much come to it from the perspective of a skeptic. But what happened after 12 years of education and 8 years of medical practice is that I started feeling like something was missing. I was so disillusioned by our healthcare system and how broken it had become and the fact that I was ex- that I was sort of out of touch with my original calling to medicine, which was very much like a spiritual calling, like a priest is called to the priesthood, where I was called to be a healer. And yet I found that it was impossible to try to be a healer when I was double booked in 15 minute slots and I was given seven and a half minutes to see 40 patients a day. So I started asking in addition to the conventional health questions, I started asking things like, you know, tell me about your romantic relationship if you're in one. And if you're not in one, Do you wish you were? And if you are in one, are you happy? And I started asking whether people felt spiritually connected or whether they were expressing themselves creatively or whether they had financial worries and whether they were happy at work and those sorts of things. And what I started discovering is that by, by really probing with the right questions, I was able to often kind of get an inkling for what might be underlying someone's chronic health condition. And again, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking more about those conditions for which Western medicine is kind of, we've maxed out what Western medicine can do and someone still isn't doing well. So it's not so much, although it still can apply, it's not so much about the person who comes in who has a bladder infection who can take the antibiotic and then the bladder infection is gone. It's more for those people that have really tried to get better and they're—they're—they're they're, they're not. their health isn't optimal. And what I found is that, my, my patients started telling me really important information. Like one of the, one of the big questions that I asked was, what does your body need in order to heal? And I would encourage any of your listeners who have any health challenges to ask yourself that right now. What does my body need in order to heal? And I didn't realize when I first started asking that question how rich <laughs> what came up was going to be. I thought people would give me sort of superficial treatment intuitions, but they started saying things like, I need to quit my job. I need to leave my toxic marriage. I need to set boundaries with my mother. I need to finally follow that dream. One of my patients said, I need to move to Santa Fe. And I said, why Santa Fe? And she said, I don't know, but I have a vacation home there. And every time I go there, all of my symptoms go away. Mm. And so I started asking them, well, you've just written the prescription for yourself. Let's do it. And they're like, well, I can't do that. And then all the resistance would come up. (laughs) But a few of my patients got really brave and they started doing what they had prescribed for themselves and they started experiencing these wild, spontaneous remissions. What that led me to delve into was what's happening with these people because I didn't have a paradigm for explaining how quitting your job could cure your disease or how leaving your toxic marriage could make your symptoms go away. And there was nothing that I had ever been taught that, that had a kind of physiologic explanation for what was happening. So I started looking into the data around that, and that was that was the beginning of Mind Over Medicine.
1: And really, what is at the root is most probably stress. When we're living an incongruent life, you know, where we're really not following the path um, that is right for us, our bodies, minds, and emotions become stress overloaded, and stress is a killer. Well,
2: what I had, yes, and we sort of know that. Like, yeah, I've heard that before, right? You've heard that before. But what I didn't understand is that the scientific literature is filled with proof that the body has natural self repair mechanisms that know how to fix broken proteins, and kill cancer cells, and fight infections, and retard aging, and basically fix whatever ails us part of our homeostatic mechanism and we're supposed to die of old age and yet the body the nervous system has two states of being it has the the kind of emergency mode the sympathetic nervous system or the fight-or-flight response what Walter Cannon at Harvard called the stress response and then it has the opposite which is the parasympathetic nervous system which is kind of the homeostatic mechanisms that's what uh, Herbert Benson at Harvard called the relaxation response and this was like, if you get one thing out of this program or, f- or my book, it's that the body's natural self-repair mechanisms only function when the body is in relaxation response. And yet we have more than 50 stress responses per day. So we're not supposed to. It's supposed to be like, oh, the tiger's coming. We run away. The stress response r- protects us. And then the relaxation response kicks back in and the body goes back to healing itself and protecting us and preventing illness. And yet, because of modern society, we're in that stress response mode so frequently that literally the body's healing mechanisms are deactivated. So it's no wonder we wind up with illness. And that's what was happening with these Marin County patients is they were doing everything, quote, unquote, right But no amount of kale is going to counteract the poisonous effects of chronic repetitive stress responses and all of the cortisol and epinephrine that are kicked out from the adrenal glands that affect every cell in the body and deactivate those self-repair mechanisms.
1: But there are some things that we can do uh, that are quite portable, handy, and easy to help mitigate these stress responses. And I would love for you to share a couple of tips with our listeners.
2: Well it's essentially what I realized is that the health of the body is a function of the ratio of stress responses and relaxation responses in the body. So it's a, it's twofold that we need to reduce stress responses to identify the things that are creating stress responses in our bodies. So our health really essentially is about Having healthy relationships and healthy professional life and a healthy sex life and a healthy creative life and a healthy spiritual life and financial life and healthy environment and a healthy mind in addition to eating well, exercising and taking your vitamins. And so identifying those root causes of what might be predisposing you to stress responses and deactivating your self-healing mechanisms, that's one part. And that's actually the harder part. Because that requires sort of taking a look at the deep stuff in our lives. And some of us don't want to look at the fact that we're in a soul-sucking job that we spent, in my case, $200,000 investing in in 12 years in, you know, of education investing in and that it's literally killing us. Um, but what's easier and, and what people can really easily start adding to their lives right now is that it's much easier to actually be proactive about adding relaxation responses to your body and these are things that are fun and easy to do. But any meditation practice is effective at activating the relaxation response. There's also simple fun things like laughter. Uh, Norman Cousins wrote The Anatomy of an Illness, all about how he cured his ankle eyes and spondylosis by watching Marx Brothers movies. There's things like playing with animals or getting a hug or having sex. Or expressing yourself creatively, or going to church for those of you who that lights you up. These are all things that can activate the relaxation response. One of my favorite is the healing act of generosity. And there's a bunch, so many stories about this, about people who have cured their illness by being generous. One of my favorites is Cami Walker who was in her early thirties when she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, very severe case. Western medicine had failed her. She was having all kinds of side effects from the medication. It wasn't helping. She had wound up having to like go on disability. And she went wound up going to see a South African medicine woman who wrote on a prescription pad, give twenty nine gifts in twenty nine days. And Mm -hmm. so she did and at the end of 29 days her symptoms were almost completely gone and she now runs 29gifts.org for all these people that have committed to doing the same thing. And there's another story I love that I just heard, it was just on a news article about this man, Andy Mackey, who had had nine heart surgeries and was taking 15 heart medications that were causing all kinds of side effects. And he finally was like, forget it, I can't take these side effects anymore. So he told his doctors that he was going to quit his medication and they told him he would die within a year. But he figured if he was going to die, he might as well die happy. So he decided to do something he had always dreamed of doing and he took the money that he had been spending on his heart medicines and he went out and bought 300 harmonicas. And gave them to kids in public schools, complete with harmonica lessons from him. And a month later, he still had uh, he was still alive, and so he decided to buy another three hundred harmonicas, and it's now been eleven years and sixteen thousand harmonicas later, and Andy Mackey is still alive and kicking. And I I just love stories like that because that's something we can all implement. We can all pick one of those things from that list, and there's even more in Mind Over Medicine, and we can start activating that today.
1: And these simple interventions—they really don't cost anything. Yes, of course, if you're buying, you know, several thousand harmonicas, yes, that, that will cost you something. <laughs> but the act of emotional generosity towards another, or being in a place of gratitude, or making a conscious decision to shift one's attitude from a negative view to a positive one—which is very simple—you know, it's you're shifting the the colored lens through which you choose to view the world. These things make a difference and they, they heal. Make a
2: huge difference. Like what, the one you were just talking about, converting from pessimism to optimism, there's so much data around that one. That was one of my favorite chapters in the book, is about how happiness is preventive medicine. And there's all this research from Martin Seligman, who wrote a book called Learned Optimism, about how optimists have a 77% lower rate of heart disease than pessimists and lower rates of almost every other illness. And we can learn optimism. So if we are pessimists, we can actually learn it. And I've included some techniques in the book, or you can read Martin Seligman's book, which is fantastic.
1: Wonderful. We are going to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to carry on this conversation about learned optimism and, uh, and other tips to leading a happier, healthier life with Lisa Rankin and to learn more about her work, her books and her tools and resources, you can go to www.lissarankin, and That's www.lissarankin.com. She is the same at Twitter and on Facebook. And the book is Mind Over Medicine, Scientific Proof That You Can Heal Yourself. We're going to take a break and come right back and carry on the conversation with Dr. Lissa Rankin. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go to the break, I want to share a little retail happiness with you from FabFit Fun, a seasonal subscription service that delivers joy in a box containing full-sized beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. 4 times a year, Fab Fit Fun will indulge you with top-notch curated products from great luxury brands like Moroccan Oil, Dermalogica, Juice Beauty, Trinaturk, Millie, and more. Fab Fit Fun boxes cost $49.99 and always contain more than $200 worth of pampering. Quantities are limited, and seasonal selections are always a sellout. This is a perfect way to treat yourself to the most amazing products of the season. Check out www.fabfitfun.com and use the promo code HAPPINESS at checkout to save $10 off your first box. Once again, that's fabfitfun.com, and don't forget to use the promo code HAPPINESS. Now here come the tunes. We'll be right back, and that's a promise.
0: We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if? Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com.
1: Before we come back to the show, I want to mention a podcast that I'm listening to and loving, the Success Journal Podcast, which has practical tips to improve your life, enhance your career, make you money, and inspire you. Check out Success Journal Podcast on iTunes and successjournal.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about sound eating and wholesome thinking. We're rejoining a conversation that was originally aired in 2013 with Dr. Lissa Rankin. Let's join the conversation. I am speaking with Lissa Rankin today, and she is an integrative medicine physician, author, speaker, artist, and founder of the popular online health and wellness communities, com and OwningPink.com. In addition, she has just written a new book called Mind Over Medicine, Scientific Proof You Can Heal Yourself. And the concept that we're talking about here is not woo-woo. It's deeply rooted in science and deeply rooted in our innate abilities to live a healthy life and be healthy human beings when we follow a course that is true to ourselves.
2: Yeah, it's so funny when people start putting me in categories of like this woo-woo new age medicine world because Mind Over Medicine is all about science. There are hundreds and hundreds of scientific references from the mainstream medical journals, like the New England Journal of Medicine and the Journal of American Medical Association, this is all physiologic, and, I, and I'm explaining in this that that it's not just the you know the that new age concept. And it's funny because Hay House published my book, and I remember back when I was practicing in my conventional practice, and someone had given me Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life, and I read it, and I was like, that is so woo woo, right? Like sure, I'm going to say this affirmation and my disease is going away. And I now understand the physiology behind some of these things. So it's, it's really like the science is, is just starting to catch up with some of that stuff that we've been considering new age for years, but there's pure physiology behind it. It's pure science explaining. I can tell you exactly why you got better, Lisa, because by deactivating stress responses and turning on relaxation responses in your body, you're creating the environment where the body's natural self-repair mechanisms that can deal with the Graves disease when it comes because that's not a homeostatic state for the body where the body can then start to return itself to homeostasis and essentially heal itself. But there's no paradigm for that in Western medicine and so we have this kind of attack mode. We've got to quick fix it because there might be negative outcomes that, that come about because of that. And I'm not in any way suggesting that we should be ditching western medicine my my husband cut two fingers off his left hand with a table saw and there is i'm sorry but there's like no amount of mind body medicine that would have put those fingers back on like god bless dr jonathan jones for sitting there with a microscope for eight hours and sewing together every bone artery nerve in those fingers so that my husband has 10 fingers today what i am saying is that if we combine western medicine with uh, a a a modality of healthcare that allows us to focus on reducing stress responses and increasing relaxation responses and activating the body's self repair then we really are making our body ripe for what modern medicine calls miracles but what are really just pure physiology
1: and the body behaving exactly as it's desi- uh, designed to behave
2: right illness is a is a manifestation of the fact that our homeostasis is not working, that our self-repair mechanisms have gotten deactivated. So we can, we can see ourselves as victims in that situation or we can recognize that it's our body giving us a message that something is out of alignment with our truth in our life and that we have to get honest with ourselves about what our bodies need in order to heal. And some of us have very sensitive systems in this way. Mine is a very sensitive system. And I, I just did a teleclass with Martha Beck, who teaches the Whole Health Medicine Institute with me. And Martha's system is very sensitive as well. And both of us were talking about how our bodies have become signals to us that if we get out of our alignment with our truth in even the most subtle ways, I get heart palpitations. Like my heart starts palpitating if I am out of alignment with my own integrity now. She gets fibromyalgia symptoms. And so in some ways, it's a blessing because it's like we have this pure body compass that is constantly heading due north. And if I get off track at all, then my body acts up. So if you can see illness or physical symptoms as an opportunity for awakening, as a way to bring your life back into alignment with your truth, then we can use illness as a way to really learn and to appreciate what happens when our bodies are out of whack.
1: And there's opportunity for transcendence that that comes from these health crises. I learned them myself. I've witnessed it with other people that I work with, that it is the reframe. It's the, the consciousness that you decide to come from when you go through something like this, where you can be the victim of the circumstance, you know, oh, woe is me. This is what's happening. Or you can decide that you are going to dance with it and work with it? What is it trying to tell you? How can you adjust your way of being in the world to make it hospitable for healing as opposed to more aggravation, stress, and illness?
2: Exactly. It's it's funny because my literary agent was the first person to read this book. And when she read the book, she called me and she said, Lisa, before I read this book, I honestly thought that my body was none of my business, that my body was my doctor's business and just like my car is my auto mechanics business, when my body breaks down, I f- hand it over to my doctor and I expect my doctor to fix it. <laughs> he said, but, but after reading your book, I realize that nobody knows my body better than me and that my body is my business and it's my responsibility because I am the gatekeeper of the thoughts, beliefs, and feelings in my mind that turn on my stress responses or activate my relaxation responses, and it is up to me to make my body ripe for miracles. And I was like, amen, sister.
1: Yes, amen. This is is the crux of it, and this is the message that you are... Working so hard to get across to all of us, and I think that it's time that we all pay attention. Exactly, (laughs) you know. I think that that's the bottom line. You know, so we're
2: not victims. We're not. We don't have to be these passive patients. That, and I know I was one of those, and I was going to be a patient for the rest of my life if I kept thinking that way. But by being proactive and taking, taking the reins of my own health care, and you did the same thing, we were able to kind of get out from under something that felt like we were victims and actually be empowered to make changes in our own lives such that our bodies were sort of setting the stage for our bodies to do what they do best, which is heal themselves.
1: And... In addition to that, I think that it altered the trajectory of the work that we're both doing. I know it certainly did for me and from what you've described as well. It sets you on a completely, uh, not unrelated, but different path from how you started out. Absolutely. And this is the blessing of adversity. You know, you can't buy that experience. And the reframe is essential as part of the solution, I think.
2: Well, it's part of the healing process, I think, is is learning from our illnesses or from our physical symptoms what it is that maybe our souls have come here in order to learn. And that brings up another issue that I always like to touch on when I'm talking about this, which is that you know there are people that are listening to this today and there there are others out there that will that will read my book and that will apply all of this and that will do everything right not just in conventional healthy behaviors but in reducing stress responses and increasing relaxation responses and they may still wind up sick. And so I always like to make sure that everybody understands that I'm in no way suggesting that you are to blame for your illness that it's you know that you should feel guilty about your illness or that you're doing anything wrong at all and 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 that's the sort of spiritual part of all of this that I, I can't ever get away from, which is that perhaps our souls come here to learn things on this planet and that our illnesses are a vehicle for our spiritual practice. And I, a great example of this is my friend Chris Carr, who wrote the forward to my book. And Chris wrote, um, she's written multiple fantastic books, but she was diagnosed in her early thirties with stage four cancer for which there's no Western medical treatment and they basically just told her well you know do what you can to work on your immune system and so she started a raw vegan diet and has really done everything she possibly could in order to be optimally healthy and they had told her she would die within ten years and Chris is still alive ten years later and she still has stage four cancer and it's not because she's doing anything wrong you know it's it's I honestly feel like sometimes perhaps she's an even better teacher and a great inspiration about how to thrive with cancer, how to look fear in the face every day and live the best life she possibly can. So I, I, I love the – I was talking about this with my friend and and one of the faculty at the Whole Health Medicine Institute, uh, Dr. Christian Northrup, and we were talking about this issue, and she said, Lisa, I think I think we are responsible to our illness, not for our illness. And I love that because I think if we can be responsible to our illness and allow it to be our teacher without – falling into that victim mode and without feeling like our bodies are like our cars and we have to pass them off to the auto mechanic, to really be empowered and do what we can to take control of our health and to optimize the body's self-repair mechanisms while also, again, I'm not suggesting that we dismiss Western medicine, while also maxing out what Western medicine has to offer when it feels aligned with uh, that part of ourselves that I call your inner pilot light, that inner doctor, that intuition, that part of you that told you to decline treatment, Lisa. When we can, when we can combine all of that together, then we really are able to rest in the knowledge that we're doing everything we can to be optimally healthy and that the, the sixth step in the six sep- steps to healing yourself is surrender. Letting go of, of resting in the peace and the knowledge that we've done everything we can. Because I, I believe that there is a difference between healing and curing. And unfortunately, in our healthcare system, we're all focused on cure, which is great. We want to be cured. But if you look up the definition of to heal, it means to become whole. And what I found is that if we do this work that I teach in this book to become whole, and that's why I call it whole health health medicine, if we do what it takes to become whole, then we are much more likely to be cured.
1: And I wanted to add one more thing about the beauty of Western medicine as a diagnostic tool as well. I mean, fortunately, we live in an age where the diagnostics are amazing, and I I believe that the blend of using the best parts of Western medicine and when the medicine is required, you take the medicine. When the surgery is required, you take the surgery, and then you combine all of these other aspects that you're speaking of in the book, um, you're certainly going to have a much more enhanced life experience from it.
2: Absolutely. Uh, It certainly is a recipe for greater joy, greater spiritual connection, greater intimacy in relationships, and our health is really often a an external manifestation, I think, of our wild and precious inner life. It's the sum total of our life experiences in physical form.
1: Mm, how beautifully said. Well, the book once again is Mind Over Medicine, written by Lissa Rankin, MD, and the the subtitle is Scientific Proof That You Can Heal Yourself. And I've learned a lot. I hope our listeners have learned a lot there. Is a, are a huge amount of tools on your website. Uh, please, for a moment, talk about the diagnostic tools or the health kit that you have on the website. Oh, yes, we just put this up. So if you go to
2: mindovermedicinebook.com, there is a self-healing kit that you can download for free that is meant to be kind of a companion piece to the book, but it certainly is a standalone thing. There's a, a, the Ten Secrets to Healing Yourself ebook. And there's a guided meditation that I lead with my musician friend Karen Drucker that is intended to help you get in touch with that voice of your inner doctor and make the diagnosis of what might be underlying the root causes of your illness and write the prescription for yourself, but it's also intended to be a relaxation response activator. So, um, you know, that's a fun thing to have there. And there's also a diagnosis journal that asks a lot of the questions from the intake form that we talked about and allows you to sort of dig into the root of what might be out of alignment and might be predisposing you to illness if, if, if you are. And there's a, a pre- prescription pad and some other resources. So I'd, I'd love to keep in touch. It also puts you on my newsletter list so that you can get my blog where I'm including a lot of other information.
1: But I'm Wonderful. Wonderful. We are out of time. I'm sorry. But once again, the website is Lissa Rankin, L-I-S-S-A-R-A-N-K-I-N dot com on Twitter as well. And on Facebook, it's the same. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. That's a promise. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go to the break, I want to share a little retail happiness with you from Fab Fit Fun, a seasonal subscription service that delivers joy in a box containing full-sized beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. Four times a year, Fab Fit Fun will indulge you with top-notch curated products from great luxury brands like Moroccan Oil, Dermalogica, Juice Beauty, Trinaturk, Millie, and more. Fab Fit Fun boxes cost $49.99 and always contain more than $200 worth of pampering. Quantities are limited and seasonal selections are always a sellout. This is a perfect way to treat yourself to the most amazing products of the season. Check out www.fabfitfun.com and use the promo code HAPPINESS at checkout to save $10 off your first box. Once again, that's fabfitfun.com, and don't forget to use the promo code HAPPINESS. Now here come the tunes. We'll
0: be right back, and that's a promise. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Unwrap your present by signing up for Happiness Headlines, our monthly e-zine at HarvestingHappiness.com. Stay tuned for more after the break. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one, and sometimes we all need support. We all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstance. Sure, things will inevitably happen in our lives that are out of our control. There is only ever one thing that is totally within our control, ourselves. When we have command of ourselves, we are better prepared to handle life and bounce back more quickly when challenges arise. Whether you see the glass as half empty or half full, the glass has the capacity to hold more. You have the capacity to be happier. The tool to harvesting your happiness is within your grasp. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com.
1: Before we come back to the show, I want to mention a podcast that I'm listening to and loving, the Success Journal Podcast, which has practical tips to improve your life, enhance your career, make you money, and inspire you. Check out Success Journal Podcast on iTunes and SuccessJournal.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? Because sharing is caring. It's kind. It's free. It's legal. It's available 24-7. And we're talking about sound eating and wholesome thinking, habits to keep you healthy. We're joining a conversation that was originally had in 2014 with Dr. John LaPuma. And here it comes. Dr. John Lapuma. Dr. Lapuma is a practicing physician and board certified in internal medicine as well as a profess- professionally trained chef. His mission is to help you get measurably happily healthier with what you eat and how you live. He's written several books. Their names include Cooking the Real Age Way, the real age diet, and Chef MD's big book of culinary medicine. They've been bestsellers and have been translated into eight languages. His newest book is entitled Refuel, and this aims to change how men specifically think about what they eat, to eat for fuel, and to help men become stronger, healthier, and the best versions of themselves. Good morning. Dr. LaPuma, thank you for
3: joining us. Good morning, Lisa. Great to be with you.
1: Oh, lo- lovely to have you. Let- let's jump right in here to the premise behind Refuel.
3: The premise behind Refuel is that men and women have very different sorts of interests in health. Men generally don't have much until they show up to the doctor with a broken arm, but women are much more conscious about how their bodies work and much more knowledgeable about them, generally speaking. Men would like to know, but generally have not found it to be a friendly landscape to learn how to eat well and manage stress well. And so we sort of eat generally what's put in front of us or what we've always had to eat. So the premise behind refuel is that men need an eating plan that's specifically engineered for their metabolism, their Psyche, if you will, their bodies, and a a plan that is actually friendly that leverages their metabolic advantages instead of discouraging them.
1: I think you've touched upon something really important about the way men view diet, view their bodies, which is is different than women. And if we work with men to train them to view what they're taking in as fuel how it affects performance how it affects us for the or affects uh, not us but them you guys for the for the long haul I bet you're seeing results where people have a vested interest to take better care of themselves
3: there's no question that and everybody recognizes food is fuel really and that the wrong fuel can make you feel like a lump and a lot of guys feel like that in their 40s and 50s and 60s at they're just not having the energy to do what they want to do, and and the women in their lives feel that as well. So what we did was to study um, men in a beta test of our 24-day eating program, and we asked them. And we gave them a very simple eating program to follow, uh, and talked them a little bit about high-intensity interval training for a couple days, um, and and the results were really remarkable. Men. Had much better sleep quality. Got three quarters and improved their muscle mass. Uh, Two thirds picked up energy levels, and they lost an average of 11 pounds in those 24 days. And I've kept in touch with many of those guys, and they've been able to keep it off and and look towards a sustainable uh, set of changes that uh, include the foods that they love already, without uh, making them feel outside of their norm.
1: The Wall Street Journal calls you a secret weapon against both cholesterol and heart disease. And this secret weapon aspect, I want to talk about how it relates to recent findings that have been shared in the news about the difference between maintaining a high-protein diet or a low-carbohydrate diet and the difference between success in maintaining that weight loss for an extended period of time.
3: You know... Probably not coincidentally, Lisa, that's exactly what Refuel is. It's a relatively high-protein, low-carb, uh, moderate to generous fat diet um, based in whole foods, not processed foods, that uh, is just two days a week. Um, the other five days a week, you eat more, more moderately, uh, but two days a week, you, you try to keep your carbs to 50 grams or less. Um, you, uh, don't eat anything you can crumple or crush, which is one of the rules of the program. And um, and it what allows this success, I think, the reason so many men have liked it and found it to be really helpful to them and changed their lives in many ways, and, and women are the ones who actually are often giving them this book as a nightstand gift, um, is that it's really simple. Um, men can focus on this, Relatively new effort for a couple days at a time, and then it becomes hard to keep in your brain all the time. So, uh, the reason that this worked is that, um, using the high protein fillingness of not just plant products, but also animal foods and the great flavors that I was lucky to study in culinary school and uh, cook with at the great restaurant Topla Bombo in Chicago with Rick Bayless for four years, and using um, fat, not being afraid of fat at all, but instead embracing it as something that's rich in flavor, but using it wisely. Um, you get a lot more fat flavor when you drizzle olive oil over a salad than you when you bake it into scrambled eggs, for example, which some people do. So and as I talk about drizzling, drizzling uh, olive oil over a salad, I'm mouth, I'm watering. My mouth was watering. So, Me too. Uh, <laughs> see, um, it, it's really a remarkable, nice coincidence that the research is showing on a larger scale what we have shown, and I have dozens of stories from men about that when you give men food that they love, that women in their lives are often happy to prepare or shop for that when it's approached as a team, when there's a, a woman in your life who's an important partner or, um, or friend, then, then men suddenly really love feeling healthy. They actually don't mind going to the doctor because their numbers are going to be a lot better. They are much more energetic. They have much more sexual drive and sexual energy. And they have a um, really positive sense of well-being that that actually permeates the whole family.
1: Well, I think you said something very important about that the men don't mind going to the doctor because the numbers are going to be good. And I think because men are more um, statistically driven, you know, they want to see the numbers, the facts, that they know that they can eat right for this period of time, you know, paying attention to the refuel program for a couple of days. Then they practice this for a few weeks. They go off. They get their numbers checked. They see a reduction in all of their lab results um, and an increase in those areas where we want to see a positive increase. That's very, very satisfying and, and really inspires them to keep going.
3: That's true. And the other thing that inspires them to keep going is that they feel so much better. It, it really is amazing to wake up without back pain when you've had it for years. Um, to have the energy to go for a walk with your girlfriend or wife when when after dinner when really you just popped up in front of the television before then because you've had a, a tough day. It, so the two things that really work for men and <clears throat> pardon me are a strong productivity approach to show how the numbers change, to show how many different how many more push ups you can do how much better your cholesterol and blood pressure are, um, how much less sleep that you need, although it's higher quality sleep than you've ever had, that kind of stuff really works. The other thing that really works for men is um, being really funny, but I'm not really funny. I'm sort of funny sometimes, so I thought it'd be easier to focus on the stuff that I know how to do and that we tested, presented at Stanford, and that... Uh, men all have embraced. So the productivity is one side, the feeling so much better is the other. We are going to
1: go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to carry on our conversation with Dr. John Lapuma um, about men, health, diet, exercise. To learn more, go to www.drjohnlapuma.com. On Twitter, he is at John Lapuma, and on Facebook, Dr. John Lapuma.
0: Who says money can't buy happiness? Check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? 8 Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, and other fun, fashionable, and inspiring items at shophappy at harvestinghappiness.com. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if? Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Today, we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times, we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting
1: Happiness Talk Radio, carrying on the conversation with Dr. John LaPuma, focusing on sound eating and wholesome thinking, Habits to Keep You Healthy. This episode originally aired in 2014. Let's rejoin the conversation. We are what we eat with Dr. John Lapuma. He is a physician. He is a chef. He is an author. And we're talking about his newest book, Refuel, which is really geared towards, um, men's diet and, and, and how we can have the men in our lives abide by a healthy, simple diet that will increase optimal performance, um, give them better sleep, increase their sex drive and just make them feel generally healthier and happier. Dr. Lapuma, You uh, mentioned before we went to the break that you were involved in a study at Stanford, and I want to talk about the results of that study with you as well as the first culinary medicine course that you taught because I think that is fascinating.
3: Um, Michael Roizen and I taught the first cooking and nutrition course in the country for medical students at the State University of New York in Syracuse um, over 10 years ago now, and uh, I taught a culinary medicine elective for senior students at uh, Des Moines University in Iowa, um, which was the first elective of its kind. Culinary medicine uh, blends the art of cooking with the science of medicine to create restaurant quality recipes that help to prevent and treat disease, and I used a lot of culinary medicine in this new refuel book that helps men leverage their metabolic advantages and presented the results of our beta test. Uh, that we did in Santa Barbara, California, at Stanford. It, it wasn't actually a Stanford study, um, but we simply presented it there, as well as that uh, Quantified South and South by Southwest. And what we found was that men could adhere to a program that wasn't advertised as a diet program, per se, but, in fact, uh, helped them lose weight in a way that was around the middle. Um, although you can't really spot reduce, men put on fat first around the middle and they take it off first around the middle. And that fat around the middle is not just a muffin top. It's actually uh, an estrogen factory for men. It takes the testosterone their testes make and converts it into estrogen. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons men uh, have lower testosterone levels than they did 20 years ago. And so this book, Turns out to be a solution, more of a natural solution to the low T problem, than the prescription medication that shuts off testosterone production for so many men uh, once they take it, and uh, has a hard time coming back. Um, and and it happens to create great flavor along the way with meals that men really like to eat. Um, and, and I'm talking about uh, not just foolproof. Uh, Hard-cooked eggs, I think every man ought to be able to boil an egg, but uh, cauliflower popcorn, roast chicken with lemon and garlic juices, grilled sirloin steak and asparagus, uh, coconut rice pudding with bourbon and toasted pecans. Um, The bourbon part of that is the favorite part, I think. But the the point is that men need a plan that's specifically engineered for their metabolism. And we can actually stop testosterone from turning into estrogen. By losing some of that metabolically hormonally active fat around the middle,
1: and really, what you're sharing is proof positive that food is strong medicine, or it can be when it is consciously prepared,
3: consciously prepared and and consumed. I think the enjoyment of food is missing for a lot of them. Uh, uh, we eat in our cars. We eat on the way. Work and back. We uh, kind of grasp something after work. We seldom sit down when we eat uh, increasingly. Um, and simply using, as we ask guys to do, a six inch plate with a rim and um, making that plate your central plate, using the rim for decoration instead of more food, and looking at the plate as something that uh, you want to sit down and fully appreciate. The one thing that men are really good at from a standpoint is chewing. Uh, it also helps slow you down, of course. Um, but if you ask men and women, uh, the studies have shown that chew a mouthful 10 times, men generally are very good at it. They Most men can do it and do it pretty well. Women kind of lose interest. Women, on the other hand, are much better at, generally speaking, smelling food, tasting food, appreciating its texture and color. And men haven't been trained to do that and kind of fall down on it, but chewing is really helpful because you get more flavor from your food. It takes longer to eat. It takes longer to reach that 25 minutes before the hormones kick in to tell your brain that you've had enough uh, if you can't recognize feeling full otherwise. So the point is that when men appreciate, learn to sit down and eat and do so in a way that is about savoring the flavor, you naturally eat less and eat higher quality.
1: You developed the recipes for Doctors Oz and Royzen's book, You, the Owner's Manual, which I happen to have, and the recipes in there are terrific. Talk a little bit about that experience and um, how it influenced you to go on and create other books simultaneously.
3: Um, I love working on uh, with Michael Royzen and Dr. Oz on You, the Owner's Manual. It's a great book. I just thought, again, in Costco, it's been re-released. Um, and I'm so happy that the recipes continue to delight people. Um, I did that as part of my uh, Chef Clinic project. Um, Chef Clinic is at a project here in Santa Barbara where we help people learn to cook and eat and shop healthfully um, through my medical practice uh, where I see patients to help them make lifestyle changes. Um, the recipes that we developed for you, the owner's manual, which are mouth watering. Um, and for uh, refuel um, came from the same base, that is, we worked on them at the same time. But for men, what we did was to increase the protein and simplify the recipes even more so they have fewer ingredients. And we illustrated them with how to hold a knife, how to use a blender, how to, to get more out of your food, and... I think learning to man a kitchen, to be around knives and fire are are things that actually men are really good at but often have not explored. Um, And so I try to teach very simple ways to learn cooking skills if you don't already have them. But as I mentioned before, Lisa, that women often are picking up this book for men because they recognize that it's an insider's guide to how to reach guys to get them to the doctor to get healthy tips create more energy without without uh, persistently talking to them about it, which um, women don't want to do and men don't want to hear, but they don't have the language to communicate. So we tried to get them out that, that as well.
1: How did you decide to go to culinary school? I'm assuming you were a doctor first and you had the interest in food, or is there another story?
3: That's right. I I went to culinary school uh, after I went to medical school and had been in practice for six or seven years at the university at, at in Chicago. Um, I was on the faculty at the University of Chicago and then I got off the fast track because I realized I didn't know what to say to my patients um, or how to take care of myself. Um, I'd gained a lot of weight and needed to try to get a hold of it. So I went to cooking school to try to make a healthy diet taste good. And when I came back, I began working on Chef Clinic, and then on relays with uh, Dr. Royzen, who's now the head of the Cleveland Clinic Wellness Institute. A terrific leader, great, great guy. And, and then moved to Chef MD, and now to Refuel. And that's the culmination of that kind of experience, I think, is in fact this book, where it's really amazing how different men and women's health are. Men die five years earlier, they get diabetes at a lower body mass index, they have triple the heart attacks of women before the age of 65 and double before the age of 74. There's new data showing that uh, the incidence of diabetes of men is now 11.1% versus 9.3% for women, um, dramatically up in the last 20 years. And it, and the reasons for that, in part, are are what we've been eating and the way that men store fat. But if you switch that, so you stop converting testosterone into estrogen so that you pay more attention to sleep quality and that you improve sleep quality, and there's some tricks to do that, and you try to make focus, to make fitness a, a focus that isn't long days at the gym and hours on a treadmill, um, which is pretty hard for anybody to do. But instead, short, focused workouts, you begin to take control of your life in ways that men I think have lost control of, but the amazing part is that you can get it back if you have the right plan, and and our plan works for a lot of guys.
1: You have a new PBS series uh, called Chef MD Shorts. Tell us a little bit about that and how we can access it. And um, the second part of the question or the, the, the bullet point here is your Refuel Minute, which is available on YouTube. So talk a little bit about those two projects.
3: Thank you mentioning them, that um, they're both video projects. the uh, Refuel Minute is a one minute um, 13 one minute episodes uh, of three points each that men need to know about eating, about fitness, about hormones, about sex, about sleep, about erections and key uh, points in men's health, prostate, uh, heart disease, diabetes, key points in men's health that you only need 60 seconds to learn. they are in a doctor's office, they're uh, me talking directly to you, and I love doing them. They're really fun, uh, and they're free, um, and they're just on YouTube uh, and Vimeo. The PBS Shorts, the Chef and D PBS Shorts, are um, 40, 50-second to 2-minute segments um, from our Health Corner Lifetime TV series. Um, which I co-hosted with Lisa Gibbons and Joan London, to teach fun, uh, e- easy ways to cook and eat more healthily, where I make a recipe for half of them, and I shop uh, for those ingredients for the other half. Um, and you can watch them on PBS uh, as interstitials, which means that they're slotted in at the end of uh, 28-minute shows on the um, at the... Behalf of the network so the way to see them is either to go to youtube and look at uh, my channel dr lapuma or to call your pbs station and say that you want to have them broadcast
1: wonderful we are out of time dr lapuma thank you for joining us to learn more about dr john lapuma and his amazing work please visit dr on twitter at john lapuma and on facebook Dr. John LaPuma. We have flown through another hour of purpose driven media designed to inspire and delight you, our listeners, to create more joy in your lives and within your communities. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place and meaning thanks for joining us on harvesting happiness talk radio this is lisa cypress cayman and my guests today dr Lisa rankin and dr john lapuma wishing you kind thoughts kinder words and the kindest of actions until next time remember happiness is an inside job happiness is your inside
0: job go out and rock your day Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa cypress Cayman. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new episode of consciously curated talk radio from the heart. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on TokiNet, iTunes, and SoundCloud. In a complicated world seemingly driven by nonstop negative news, Lisa's mission is to celebrate the upside of life and seek the silver lining of our challenges by transforming them into uplifting growth opportunities for all. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU, RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.